Welcome to Sane Split, a podcast about staying sane when relationships end. I am AJ Jakubowska, family law lawyer and mediator. Just like you, I'm human. I understand what can happen when people separate. Lots of questions swirling around like confetti. Lots of uncertainty, perhaps anger, disappointment, or even pain. Sleepless nights, shallow breathing. Will I ever be happy again? Will the kids be okay? How much is all this going to cost? All of these questions are human and you're not alone. This podcast features my thoughts about separation and my interviews with other humans who help people when their relationships end. People who assist with legal issues, who mediate, who look after hearts and minds, and even after the pocketbook. People who might help you plan your future. What you will hear is not legal advice. These are dialogues primarily about the human aspect of separation. We will try to stay away from legal lingo. It's humans talking to humans. I hope that something you hear will help you navigate your way to a sane split. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. Many years ago, when I was a very junior lawyer, I was asked by someone why I decided to go into one of the world's most disliked professions. I responded with a smile, but to this day, I'm not convinced that the question was posed tongue-in-cheek because, you know, the public ranks lawyers alongside used car salesmen in terms of perceived respectability. And yes, I am aware we are sometimes referred to as bottom feeders. I responded to that question with a smile because at the time, I did not think I had any other option. But I have spent the last 25 years of my practice trying to rehabilitate the public's image of lawyers and to make people realize that the majority of the members of my profession, including family law lawyers, are truly motivated in their work by their clients' best interests and by positive, prompt, fair, and cost-effective outcomes for their cases. Throughout my practice, I have actively considered how the public's perception of my profession affects people's willingness to trust us, to hire us, to involve us in issues which inevitably follow a separation, for example. I will say with sincerity and without hyperbole that a significant portion of my practice over the years has been devoted to fixing or at least attempting to fix problems created when legal issues are handled and apparently resolved without legal advice. I get it. I really do, and so do most of my colleagues. Involving a lawyer means added cost, and that's the last thing you want when you're facing separation, right? There is so much on your plate, so many things to deal with and consider. You are stressed, your future is uncertain, and on top of that, legal expenses. 
the public's perception of us lawyers doesn't help either. But the reality is that we serve an important role. We have a purpose. We add value because our training offers you very important information and expertise which may very well impact your life and the life of your children for years to come. What I most commonly encounter are people who entered into a home-cooked separation agreement. Two apparently well-meaning individuals, often parents of children, say to themselves and to each other, why spend money on lawyers when we can do this ourselves? How hard can it be, right? We say in a document that we agree on this and that, and that's sufficient. As long as we agree, why do we need lawyers? Our neighbors will witness our signatures, so that will make it legal. Can't be that complicated. There is a lot of information about separation agreements on the internet. We can figure it out. Yes, there are situations which I want to and need to acknowledge, where one party would rather get legal advice before signing, but they are pressured by the other party, perhaps even threatened, and they feel they have no choice but to go along with a completely home-cooked agreement, no legal advice involved at all. Those are problematic situations and need to be addressed in a legally specific way. Today, I'm talking primarily about separated couples that choose entirely on their own to forego legal advice altogether. There is no law which says that lawyers need to be involved in the preparation of a separation agreement or its signing. In fact, Separated people don't have to enter into any written agreement at all. And there are couples who begin living separate lives once they decide to separate. They parent children together, sort out their debts and property without anything in writing. But such scenarios are uncommon, I would even say rare. And at the foundation of them is a high degree of cooperation and even trust, which, let's face it, are not the usual ingredients of most separations. It's the absence of trust, sometimes concern about the future and the other party's intentions going forward that make people think signing something is important but they often do not take the next very important step, entering into a dialogue with the other party, armed with information, with an understanding of the legal issues, which they will have once they receive actual legal advice. Yes, having something in writing is important, and I will say having a separation agreement is important, very important. If you have heard this podcast before, you know that it's not legal advice. So I'm not going to list and then comment on all issues which might potentially need to be addressed by a separation agreement. 
this is not an exploration of the pros and cons of having a home-cooked separation agreement. What I do want to get across and make your main takeaway for today is the importance of obtaining legal advice on the terms of any separation agreement you might consider entering into before you sign. If you already have a lawyer who is helping you with the negotiations and you intend on having them stick around through to the signing of the separation agreement, that is excellent news. In such a case, you are not my target audience for today. On the other hand, I do hope you will continue to listen if you're at all considering entering into a home-cooked agreement. I have words of well-meaning caution for you. Please take them in the spirit in which they are intended. They are not words of personal criticism. I can imagine the pressure you are facing. They are words of caution based on practical experience I have unfortunately picked up over the years dealing with home-cooked agreements which fall apart and the existence of which may cause real and long-lasting damage, emotional, financial, to either or both parties. Don't let cost deter you from protecting your legal rights. That is not, in my view, a sufficient reason to give up on getting proper legal advice. And you have options for the degree of your lawyer's involvement in the process, which in turn impacts cost. I will unpack this idea of options shortly. You should seriously consider legal advice, whether you were married or lived common law, whether you have children or not. The fact that you were in a relationship or that you had a child, even if you were not, may have legal consequences today, tomorrow, later in the future. A lawyer will know what those potential consequences might be. You may not, no matter how many hours you spend on the internet. There may be a lot at stake. And sometimes when you enter into an agreement that amounts to your walking through door A, when door B might have been a better option for you, for your kids, for your future, having signed on the dotted line, door B may no longer be an option. I often use analogies, examples in this podcast, and one comes to mind right now. If you have a pain in your lower right abdomen, you would not dream of self-diagnosing appendicitis and performing surgery on yourself at home, even if you had spent hours on the internet researching on how to do it. So why do people think home-cooked separation agreements are fine? Look, it is possible that you could perform an appendectomy on yourself and be fine. Highly, highly unlikely, but technically possible. I definitely do not advise it. In fact, chances are better that your home-cooked agreement will serve your purposes and that you 
and your spouse will honor its terms for years to come. The kids will be fine. I do wish that for you, and I'm being sincere. But you are entering into such an agreement with a degree of risk on at least two fronts. Number one, that you did not misunderstand your legal rights and obligations and were not, for example, compromising on giving up your rights. And number two, that the other side will stick to the agreement down the road. And if they do not, you, based on its wording, are able to enforce it. In other words, get help from the family responsibility office or even the family courts so that the other party does what they are supposed to do under the agreement. Problems with home-cooked separation agreements commonly arise around child support. Parents come to me sometimes years after the home-cooked agreement is signed and tell me that while it was the expectation that the other parent would pay child support or contribute to specific special or extraordinary expenses, they simply stopped at one point and now they're refusing to pay anything. Sometimes the home-cooked agreement is so vague as to what amounts are to be paid, for what expenses or even children, and for how long, that enforcement by the FRO is not an option at all. Because even if this home-cooked separation agreement were registered with the court, any court order resulting from it would not have terms specific enough for the Family Responsibility Office to enforce. Let me double-click on this rather convoluted statement I just made. We have legislation, written law in Ontario, which says that a domestic contract can be registered with the court and that such registration creates a deemed support deduction order, which is a fancy way of saying that the child support terms of an agreement, for example, are then included in a court order, which is enforceable by the Family Responsibility Office. But the FRO must actually know what to enforce and be in a position to do it. But wait, is your home-cooked separation agreement a domestic contract in the first place? I don't know. It may not be. So you may have a very basic problem there. Whether an agreement is or is not a domestic contract is a legal issue. And you may not have turned your mind to it, perhaps because you were not anticipating problems with enforcement down the road. You are likely going to have a problem with enforcement through FRO if your separation agreement simply says that John will pay to Sally monthly child support based on his income. Such language is not specific enough for FRO to enforce. You are also likely to have a problem if your agreement says that John will contribute to Jimmy's daycare expenses. Again, the
the language is not specific enough and you should not expect that FRO will look into a crystal ball and figure out what you and John meant when you talked about his contribution. Is it equally? Is it a percentage? Were you expecting a contribution on a monthly basis? Was John going to contribute at the end of each calendar year once you presented the annual cost? Generally speaking, the Family Responsibility Office needs to have numbers to enforce, and they need to know at what frequency payments are due. So if your agreement does not make reference to specific numbers for payments and the frequency at which these payments are to be made, you may have a problem. Section 7 expenses, also known as special or extraordinary expenses, are another minefield here. These are expenses which are generally shared by the parents proportionately to their incomes. You may encounter difficulties with enforcement through FRO if the clauses relating to these expenses are not specific enough or if they require any judgment calls by the FRO as to what is actually owed and for what specific expenses. I have had a number of clients in my many years of practice who were able to get FRO's assistance in collecting the monthly table child support, but were owed literally thousands of dollars for Section 7 expenses because the agreement was not specific enough and the paragraphs dealing with these expenses were left open to interpretation which FRO will never do. When I am contacted by someone who has a problem with a home-cooked agreement, and I go over its content, trying to zero in on the problem and trying to figure out a solution, I often hear, I did not know I could do that, or I did not know it needed to be written that way, or worse yet, my ex told me that could not be done. You were not expected to know that. In other words, a lay person is not assumed to have knowledge of legal concepts, rights, obligations, and consequences arising from them when they first separate. But because you do not have that knowledge, if you proceed without seeking that information from someone who does, a lawyer on your behalf, then doors may shut and you may very well be held to the agreement you made. You had the ability to inform yourself and you chose not to do it. You did not deal with a pension in a separation agreement, for example, thinking you had lots of time, that you could do it when you were ready, so to speak. And you did not consider the applicable Limitation period, what is that, you ask? That question would have been an important one to pose before the home-cooked agreement was signed. Let's go back to your options for getting a lawyer involved on your behalf as you are negotiating 
and hopefully before you sign your separation agreement. Here are some potential scenarios, and this is by no means an exhaustive list because I could imagine other scenarios as well. You could meet with a family law lawyer for a consultation, for general advice about your legal rights and obligations on issues arising out of your separation. Based on that consultation, you could have direct discussions with the other party, perhaps even draft an agreement and have the lawyer with whom you consulted look over it on your behalf before you sign. Or you could actually retain a lawyer to shadow you through the negotiations and you would be able to check in with that lawyer from time to time as you and your ex are tackling the various issues in turn. So you would be able to get specific legal advice on those various issues. And perhaps once you and your ex have arrived at general terms, your lawyer or the other lawyer perhaps would then draft a formal separation agreement reflecting the terms you and your ex discussed, but making sure that they are legally valid and enforceable. There is another option about which I speak on this podcast from time to time, and I'm a big fan of it, and that's limited scope legal services. There are many lawyers in Ontario who provide assistance with very specific tasks in a family law case, which you and they agree on in advance. So, for example, you could hire a lawyer on a limited scope basis only to look over a draft home-cooked separation agreement and to give you independent legal advice in connection with it. If you have any interest in limited scope services, I'm going to include in the show notes, as I do from time to time, the website of Ontario's Family Law Limited Scope Services Project. It includes a lot of useful information and also a roster of lawyers in Ontario who provide these services. You can search this roster by region to find someone in your area. The public's negative perception of lawyers in general includes the idea that we're all arsonists. In other words, that going to a lawyer automatically and inevitably means starting World War III and that family law lawyers are always motivated to create problems where there are none. I'm not going to pretend that such lawyers don't exist, but the vast majority of us don't work that way. A lawyer can't force you to accept any terms in a separation agreement. What we do is we provide legal advice and the decision as to whether to accept that advice or not is yours, not ours. The point of independent legal advice is not to make you do anything. The point is to make you understand what your legal rights and obligations are so that when you are entering into a separation agreement, you are doing so on an informed basis. Even if you are choosing to compromise on some of your rights and obligations, 
if you are walking away from a share of your spouse's very sizable pension, you should know that you are doing that very thing. And it may be that the only way you will know that is if you meet with a lawyer in advance to understand that you are entitled to that share of the pension in the first place. If you are making child support arrangements without taking into consideration the fact that the mother of your children has a cash business on the side and that this cash may properly be included as her income for support purposes, I think it's important that you know that, that you are compromising on an amount of child support referable to that cash income. You may still choose to do it, and that is ultimately your decision. But you should have the information available to you so that you are making your decision understanding all the cards on the table. My motivation behind this episode was not to beat up on people who enter into home-cooked agreements. I do understand the financial pressure and people's reluctance to involve lawyers because of the related cost. I have had many clients, parties to home-cooked agreements, which later presented problems. So I have heard many of them explain to me why they entered into them in the first place. Criticism is never the point. What I'm hoping to leave you with is a better appreciation of the importance of legal advice before any agreement is signed. Because there's a lot at stake and the information you got from the internet may not be as reliable as you think. It may not even be correct. Invest in your future and the future of your children in your own peace of mind by obtaining some legal advice before you enter into a home-cooked agreement. It's money well spent, and it will go a long way in helping you navigate your way to a sane split. Thank you for listening. I hope you will tune in again. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me through my website, separationinontario.com. Subscribing to the podcast through your favorite app will make future episodes available to you automatically. Signing off for now.